0: Hello, and welcome to episode 59 of Linux Downtime. I'm Joe. I'm Hayden. I'm Gary. And I'm Simon. Good to talk to you all. Thank you for joining us, Simon. You're welcome. We asked you to join us in the absence of Martin because we want to do a follow-up from last time. We talked about AI, and that is something that you know quite a lot about. You work at a university doing high-performance computing, and you're very much into this sort of thing, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. A lot of it's for just playing around, but also I help researchers as well in building kind of AI models and stuff like that.
0: Right. So you're a go-to person for this. I'm very glad you're here. So the question that I have for you is how open source
1: can AI even be in the traditional sense? It is quite hard to draw analogies with AI models. I mean, you can try to say something like, well, when you compile a piece of source code, then you end up with a binary blob at the end and the compiler has done some sort of magic. But when it boils down to it, you can still step through the code step by step and see what the code is doing. With AI, it's a little bit different. So I don't know if anyone's studied the theory of AI, but a neural network is basically a decision tree where a computer is making decisions based upon probabilities. And that idea has been around since the 1950s or so, and really, the idea is just snowballed as computers have got better and better. And really, in the last 10 years, since we've had GPUs and deep learning, which is basically more and more layers of networks, then it's become really powerful. But maybe quite a few years ago, the very first machine learning you might have done could be uh, training a model to read numbers. So you feed it a load of numbers, which is your training set, like written, handwritten numbers. And uh The computer can recognize numbers and maybe the post office has used that for a long time we don't know no one has really complained about that being a kind of black box secret source because you know you can train that yourself yeah but that idea of a black
0: box that is the key here most modern ai systems are
1: just a black box ultimately aren't they that's correct for a good deal of the open source uh, sorry the the non-open source models that we've seen You know, most people will have heard of the Dali one from a company called OpenAI. Well, that was a company started by Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, and a few other (laughs) shady characters. And uh, Microsoft piled in in about 2019, and then they basically turned it to a for-profit company, and they didn't release their code.
2: But a lot of the modern AI ML stack is open source. Everything from handling data with projects like Apache Spark and Pachyderm to training models and using frameworks like PyTorch and TensorFlow, and then on the deployment side, you know, where inferencing happens. Wouldn't you agree, Simon?
1: Yeah, I think underpinning a lot of the AI models is open source software for sure. I think the issue that some people have got is that some of these models that have come out, you've just had the binary blobs, the kind of pre-built models released, And it is a black box. You don't know what's gone into it. And to find out, you have to kind of reverse engineer. You know, you have to basically try to get it to draw a picture of Richard Stallman, And if it looks like him, then you can kind of deduct that there is a picture of Richard Stallman in the training set. The difference with the recent Stability AI model is that they open source their training data, their inference data, and they've used an open data set. They welcome people to modify and extend their models. So they are basically ticking a lot of the boxes there that if you have a computer powerful enough, you can rebuild this model. They have pretty much done everything that you could do, in my opinion, to qualify for an open source AI. Right,
0: but you kind of glossed over if you've got a computer powerful enough. How powerful are we talking? We're not
1: talking a couple of high-end graphics cards here, are we? No, it's they trained it on like 5 billion images, which is about 250 terabytes of data, which I do have that size of storage available <laughs> in my workplace. To If I wanted to download that data set, I could do it. It's a big data problem. They have a supercomputer that's in the probably top 10 in the world to train this. They use thousands of GPUs. However, I don't think the barrier to rebuilding this model stops it from being open source. So do you think that it's not going to be too long before you won't need a supercomputer to
0: replicate this?
1: I can't even imagine where we're going to be in 10 years because the amount of progress we've seen in the last one year has been insane. It is a big data problem at the moment and you know five billion images in the data set now in the future then they're just going to have more and more. But I think maybe to bring back to the example where you could train a number recognition program very easily and very quickly on a CPU yourself. So that is available to you to do now, whereas in the past you couldn't do it. So yeah, potentially you could do this kind of problem on a consumer machine in the future when computers are super powerful. I think there's also some other things that you need to consider around the topic of open source is that, is it accessible? They've actually democratized AI by making it possible for everyone to run the models themselves and they can even fine-tune them. There's a community around it as well. So I think it's ticked a lot of those kind of boxes that also satisfy kind of the open source ethos. But in releasing all the code, I, I believe it is as open source as you can get. It's just a slightly different paradigm when it comes to AI and neural networks. But really, it's just a bunch of weights and probabilities in a just a very, very deep network.
3: There's something you mentioned earlier that made me realize that an open source AI or ML as well, considering all of the training data being open and being reproducible, it sounds a lot like an independent confirmation when it comes to like a scientific theory, right? So I think having that reproducibility would be very helpful in easing the stress that people have about AI, ML and their personal data and stuff like that. If they can show that like, you know, what went into it is this, and you know, independently it's been confirmed that this is what it's going to do kind of thing, and I think that's very important just overall.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm not so nervous about the stability model compared to the real black box that is OpenAI one. We really just don't know what went into that. But still, yes, it's a big data problem, so it's hard for someone else to verify it. And if they claim that all the images are CC licensed, well, we just don't know that. So There's also kind of the licensing model as well that people get nervous about.
3: There's another interesting problem there, too, with it being a big data problem, that independent confirmation becomes a huge problem, too, right? Not even just a storage point of view, like the amount of hours somebody would have to put into researching all those images, finding out if they're licensed appropriately and all that. So I think being open and upfront about that would actually you know, be another thing that would help people just really get behind it more than you know
0: everyone's being so
3: pessimistic about it, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. You know what we could do to solve
1: that problem is we
0: could use AI to look at the images <laughs> <laughs> and verify the licenses of them.
1: I think it was Stephen Hawking that was uh, a bit nervous about the whole idea of AI because he said, well, if AI does start training itself on AI, then there'll be this kind of super explosion of, electronic intelligence that's just going to overtake humans far too much
0: but we've seen what ai can do and what it can't do and i'm not massively worried about it taking over and terminator and skynet and all that you're much closer to it do you think there's any serious danger of that
1: there are some companies that make me nervous in the way that they've used you know they've scraped all of our profile pictures off the internet and built them into a model that then identifies people and they have been used for nefarious purposes. So there are some people using open uh, AI for bad, for sure. If we're talking about the RoboCop, then I don't know. You know, what's that company, Boston Dynamics? Yeah, that make the dogs. Those dogs are creepy. Yeah. Could someone use them in a the dog robot army? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the more practical concerns about the use of AML is state actors and. Certain regimes using AI for identification of people and tracking, and just as much as I've concerned about corporate usage, I think there's some state actors that we should be concerned about as well.
1: Yes, and obviously, opening up the model as these guys that I've been talking about have done, they have made it accessible to everyone, but anyone can take it and use it for their own purposes now. There is also one other issue that I have which makes me a bit uneasy is that once the model is out there, then you can't get it back. And some of these people that have these data sets say, oh, well, if your face is in the data set and you want to have it removed, well, yeah, you can apply to have it removed. However, if your face went into the original model, it might be removed from the data set, but it's still in that model and you can't take it out and that's out there forever. So you didn't give your permission for that and it's always going to be there. and That's really the bit I feel uncomfortable about.
3: It's kind of funny you mention that, because that's exactly one of my problems with uh, GitHub Copilot. Hmm. My code's not on GitHub, but people have put it there, and now it's in Copilot.
1: Yep, and they can say, oh, well, we've taken it out of the uh, set of training data for future runs, but it's in there now. Yep. And it's been converted into ones and zeros and weights and measures, and you can't get it out now. That's out there forever once the model is released at least GitHub have got this closed model where they haven't released it and they could if they wanted to wipe the whole thing and start all over again from scratch and say, okay, we're sorry, we included some bad stuff we shouldn't have done, we'll start from scratch. You can't do that with an open source model that is now being released to the world. So that's kind of a downside then. I hadn't thought about that, that if you've got a proprietary
0: AI system, yeah, you can have complete control over it. But once it's out there, There is no removing my face from it. There's no removing my code from it, whatever
1: I have inadvertently contributed to it. Yep. And there was a slight controversy this week where the latest checkpoint of this model was about to be released. And someone in the US Senate, I think, mentioned stable diffusion by name and talking about maybe not safe for work images or whatever, maybe deepfakes. And then suddenly everyone got a bit spooked and they're like, um, do we release this model right now or not? And there was a little bit of a uh, some arguments in the community. And I think it's a sign of things to come where the, I think just as we see like the Linux distro wars and all these other kind of open source communities splitting and causing factions, I think we will also see that massively in the uh, AI <laughs> open source uh, community as well. It's already kicking off in quite a few ways and I, I can't keep up with it.
0: You've cited one example of how AI can be open source or something close to it, but you also mentioned the fact that a lot of big AI projects out there are not open source. And yeah, there are some advantages, as we've said, but ultimately, most AI isn't open source in any meaningful way, is it?
1: No, I don't think it is. And I think actually one of the reasons that Elon Musk pulled out of the open AI company was that he had a conflict of interest because Tesla were building their own AI stuff, and I think he he just he felt probably a bit uncomfortable about that conflict of interest. I mean, the, the self-driving car stuff terrifies me still. That is a very closed blob. And we don't even know what sort of images are going into that, you know, how, what what resolution, what granularity, is it LiDAR, is it cameras, I don't know, but that stuff is really terrifying. And, you know, I won't be driving a self-driving car for a while.
2: I don't have a self-driving car, but I do have an AI-assisted driving car on that, like, tier system from fully manual to fully automatic. And things like uh, lane assist and smart cruise control, camera-driven, is very compelling. But you've got to keep a human in the
0: loop. Oh, yeah. It's the key. Yeah. I mean, even with the self-driving Tesla stuff, you're still supposed to have your hands on the wheel. I know people don't. I've seen videos of people doing all sorts of crazy stuff, but it's not there yet, is it? And are you trying to say, Simon, that we're not likely to get there anytime soon where you can just, just have a little nap
1: while you drive to Scotland? I'm not much of a visionary. I can't see it happening. It just seems to be a more difficult problem to solve than motorway driving where you are just keeping in lane and mm. seeing other car-like vehicles on the road and you're not seeing, you know, last night it was a trick-and-treat night around my local area and all these kids were going around in black clothing, like little five-year-olds and three-year-olds just running out on the road. Mm. Uh, the, the whole idea of a self-driving car, being able to make those kind of decisions, they they were really hard to see and I just can't see that happening in uh, anytime soon.
0: So you said you're not a visionary, but where do you see open source and AI in the future? Is it looking good with this one example? Is that enough, do you think, to have this one group of people doing their best to keep it open source?
1: Um, It's a good start because I think they're now going to be working on maybe better voice models and other stuff that we just haven't thought of yet. I think it's going to have a big effect. You know, people are already building Photoshop filters and things that integrate these things into regular programs that we didn't have AI in before. And now suddenly it's going to add a lot of depth to these these applications in a, in a way that we hadn't even considered.
0: Yeah, well, we talked about that last time about how Hayden reckons that open source developers are going to have to start incorporating this stuff to keep up.
2: Yeah. And that there is... Hardware coming to consumer level computers like NPU devices or Intel's VPU devices that allows those AML workloads to be optimized at the endpoint level to support that.
1: For sure. And to imagine that these billions of images have been condensed into, at the moment, something like a seven or eight gigabyte model, imagine what kind of refinement and compression they can do further for it to run on our phones and you know it's already possible to run it on an M1 chip, just a CPU, you know, this the inference, which is getting output from the trained model, that can be done on commodity stuff quite easily now. So yeah, I think there's got there's a lot of scope for running stuff on uh, regular hardware for sure. But that also brings other challenges because you could have maybe a a webcam or something like that that it can now do at the edge. Some crazy level of, uh, you know, you could have a, I've already seen them, you know, the kind of webcams that can see a crowd. And what if that can then suddenly see a crowd of 4000 people and identify all the people in the crowd immediately, all this kind of stuff. So there's, uh, with big benefits, there come big dangers as well for kind of liberties and uh, privacy.
0: Yeah, not to mention the whole deep fakes thing and <laughs> what that means for democracy. Democracy is pretty fragile as it is at the moment.
1: Yeah, I've tried doing the deep fakes, and my efforts are not on the level that uh, some of the stuff I've seen on Reddit. You know, some some of it's really good. You can tell my my deep fake is definitely faked. Yeah, but it's going to be insane soon. It really is.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've seen some of the Arnold Schwarzenegger stuff, and uh, you know, and you know, other celebrities and stuff. It's it's mad. I mean, you know, it's deep fake because it obviously is, but. It makes you think if, you know, a state-sponsored team wanted to do it seriously, the technology is there. You could deepfake a world leader saying something that could be potentially catastrophic.
1: Yeah, and I think that the developments we will see, and we are already seeing, is that we won't then need maybe a lot of training data, so we don't need like a 10-minute speech from this world leader to kind of fine-tune our model. We just get a short clip, and then it can already... Deep fake them very, very easily. And that's probably the progress that we're going to see quite soon. And, you know,
2: yeah, it's scary. So it's scary, but you can do it yourself thanks to open source.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah, exactly. And uh, honestly, I feel kind of more positive than I did previously, having spoken to you about this, Simon, because I just thought there was no real way it could be open source. But it sounds like the sort of AI version of it, it's its not the open source that uh, we knew growing up, but it isn't just totally locked down black box proprietary. And that makes me feel like that's a positive base to build on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think in the next coming months, we're going to see some really cool things that people have done with this democratized model. They're going to be coming up with some really great ideas, and I really look forward to it. I think the last six months or so of playing with these AI models has been some of the most fun that I've had using computers in my whole lifetime really because it's I'm not an artist in the sense that I can't draw well or anything like that but somehow my AI produced artwork has been used as wallpapers in Ubuntu Mate so it has opened up art to everybody I wouldn't call myself an artist but it's opened up that creative process and it's been very very enjoyable it's you know, if you haven't tried it yourself, try some of these uh, these other models out. And, you know, it really is quite pleasurable. Yeah, it's definitely
0: good fun. Well, thank you very much for joining us. It's been great. Uh, if people want to contact you or find out more about you, where's the best place for them to go? I'm Simon J. Butcher on Twitter. All right, well, we'll put a link to that in the show notes then. And uh, if you want to have your say on what we've been talking about, you can email show at com. We'll be back in a couple of weeks then. But until then, I've been Joe. I've been Hayden. I've been Gary. And I've been Simon. See you later.